Welcome to Creative on Purpose, a show about defining, developing, and delivering the difference only you can make in the second half of life so you can live your legacy. I'm your host, Scott Perry, Encore Life Coach and author of The Art of Encore Living. Uh, you can find all the things that you need to find at creativeonpurpose.com to get started now. It's time to play your game. I could not be more excited. Let's meet today's guest, Charles Wilson, my old friend. Welcome yes. to the broadcast. Please tell our viewers who you are, what you're up to these days, and where can people go to learn more about you and the difference you're making? Oh, Scott, it's so good to be here. It's so good to see you in this way. Um, my name is Charles Wilson, but also known as Black Bach, my uh, artist name. And I am a neoclassical pianist and composer. I am originally from Detroit, Michigan. Um, Scott and I met at the Creators Workshop, and uh, he was my coach, and then he was uh, my, <laughs> my still my coach in a way, but uh, <laughs> we worked together as coaches in the Creators Workshop. Um, my music is available everywhere online, uh, at Spotify, Apple Music, you name it, all the DSPs, and you can, I can be found at blackbock.com, that's spelled B-L-K-B-O-K.com. Awesome. Um, just before we dive in, I just wanted to sh share that we have uh, Nadine oh, wow. in the house as well. So um, the that, that Nadine is here and that you've already referenced a little bit about how you and I uh, initially met leads me to my first question, which is always, you know, just give us a little um, origin story. Give us the backstory on how Charles Wilson became Black Bach and how you came to be now on a major label and bringing your music all over the world. We'd love to hear just a little bit of how that all happened. Yeah. Um, it kind of happened from this wonderful idea that came from uh, my uh, publisher at the time. He, he said, well, I've been a musician forever. And he said, well, I think you should do a solo piano album. And honestly, I had no idea what that meant. I didn't know how I was going to get it done. I didn't know how it was going to be, uh, be accomplished, but um I set out on a journey through Creatives Workshop for 100 consistent days of writing. And it ended up being more than 100. It ended up being 121. Uh, but in that time, I was able to construct these new pieces that I had never uh, tried any writing, writing any classical music or anything of this uh, type before. And the next thing you know, uh, 10 pieces later, um, three months after that, I was signed to a record deal with Warner Music. And the rest is sort of ancient history. Um, but the thing that really mattered was I learned how to work. I learned how to show up for myself. And to me, that was like the the, the thing that changed, uh, that shifted my whole reality. Yeah. So I just, uh, to, to provide a little more context, the Creatives Workshop was one of the offerings through Akimbo. And these are workshops that um, were initially um, put together by uh, Seth Godin, who... Um, was uh, I worked for Seth for many years as a head coach in his program, starting with, uh, I guess, the marketing seminar and then the freelancers workshop and the bootstrappers workshop, and eventually became uh, a head coach in the creatives workshop where Charles and I initially met. That uh, workshop eventually led to one of Seth's books, The Practice, which I highly recommend. And, and the whole point of that workshop was to develop a practice, to, to show up every day to do your work. And so, you know, you, you were obviously one of the all-stars of that program, but we got to see that journey that you just described unfold yeah. in real time. Yeah. 
um, during during that first session of the Creatives Workshop. So just, I think that even though the Creatives Workshop, you know, may have appeared to be for people that were musicians or um, visual artists of one sort or writers or poets or what have you, uh, I think the, the, the basic premise applies to anybody that's making a difference in the world. They have to show up and do their work every day. Absolutely. I would love um, for you to just, uh, you know, if you if you don't mind sharing a little bit more, just you know, how difficult, if difficult at all, was it to um, develop this habit, mm -hmm. and how have you been able to sustain this habit as you exited the workshop and continue to do your work out in the world? Oh well, it's definitely the habit is a challenge, for sure. I mean, it's not something that's that's natural to um, who we are. I don't think, I think there's uh, a, a part of us that uh, understands work, but doesn't understand what really real consistency means. And until that is explained to you and you can finally uh, get up to a place where you understand accountability um, and really not just accountability to yourself, but accountability to your audience. Um, I think at that point, that's when it all kind of clicks for me. Um, and then continuing on, it's still the same thing. Like I have now the audience is expanding and it's growing and it's uh, it's changing. So I constantly have to keep myself motivated in that way to say that, you know, this is something that I'm making a difference. This is how I'm making a difference in the world. And it matters. And the fact that it matters means that I have to be consistent. I have to constantly show up just not for like I said, not just only for myself, but for my audience as well. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I think that made that program so powerful, including powerful for me, even as a coach, was um, that daily practice of showing up in community. And, mm -hmm. and you referenced already this uh, idea that, you know, we were accountable to each other right. um, for not only putting our work out there, speaking, you know, standing up to be seen, speaking up to be heard out loud and in public, right. um, but then it, giving feedback to other people's work, inviting people to, to provide feedback to ours. Um, such a powerful practice. Yeah. And of course, um, you know, after that first session of the Creatives Workshop, uh, we brought you on as a coach. Mm -hmm. You you and I were on a team together for, I don't know, was it two or three sessions, I think? Two sessions, yeah. Sessions. Um, Nadine, who's in the audience, um, also was a coach and then later took over as head coach of that um, workshop. And, and now we've all moved on and, and mm -hmm. we're all bringing, doing the, making a difference uh, that only we can make out in the world. Right. So what is the, the thing that, you know, when, when you, we talk about neoclassical music, um, mm -hmm. it sounds interesting to me, but, uh, and I, of course, am, am very familiar with your work, but give us a little sense of, of what that means. Because I think if people were to go to your Instagram account, for instance, and start mm -hmm. seeing some of the, the things that you're putting together, right. collaborating with other people, right. um, they it would sound maybe a little bit more exciting uh, than the, the how we normally think of classical music. Right. Well, uh, for me, the, the term neoclassical just to me just means a new version of what we've already experienced. Um, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people in the classical uh, world would would look at me and go, ah, we don't know about that. But I believe that classical music is is very much in need of an overhaul. I mean, it, it needs a new face, a new a new set of clothes, a new a new walk, a new pair of shoes. Um, and I think that's what this form of music, this neoclassical music, is. Uh, as you spoke um, about my socials, is I like to take 
modern or pop songs and then kind of pour classical music all on top of them. Um, and I think it's very fun. It's very exciting. And I think it connects with uh, a wide audience. Um, one of the things I can say is that my audiences, when I do shows, are exceedingly diverse. I mean, from eight to 80, all races, colors, and creeds, which is amazing. And I think that's what this music kind of plants the seed for, uh, is this amazing you know, togetherness of all different types of people, because I am essentially taking classical music and all other forms of music that I've studied throughout my years and kind of pouring them into one pot and mixing them up. So uh, it's kind of like what I'm doing is, you know, what I'm receiving. Yeah. Well, one, I think that's absolutely spot on in terms of you really refreshing the, the, the classical genre. And I think it's, it's a real testimony to your artistry that you're, you're making classical music relevant again yeah. and, and putting it alongside where it belongs mm-hmm. um, in, in the consciousness of uh, a, a, a popular market. You're putting right. it next to pop songs and rap songs and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, that's interesting to me, because having made a living as a blues and jazz guitarist for 25 or so years, mm-hmm. um, I know it's hard to tell when you look at me, um, <laughs> But you know, one of the things that I was always that 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 I thought about during my days as a musician um, was you know the fact that jazz music, which was in the twenties, thirties, and forties, like popular music, it was that was pop music, right. and then it kind of fell off. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I feel like happened is that you know jazz music went to the academy, uh, mm-hmm. you know college programs they put it under glass to be studied and they turned yeah. it into curriculums and they said here's how you learn to play and right. i think you know classical music obviously has also you know went to the academy a long time ago and mm-hmm. this is this is not a great way to sustain um vibrancy healthiness yeah. and relevance because when you put it in institutions like that it now becomes something that only people of a certain certain um, demographic are going to be able to access. Um, and also, it, I'm just curious about your take on this. It's different, I'm, I'm sure, in the classical world. But when I think about jazz um, and the jazz that I listen to, I can think of only two academy-trained musicians, Miles Davis, who went to Juilliard, and, and Wynton Marsalis. Um, uh, and I don't recall where he went. But um, you know, those are two academically trained musician that both say that they actually have a career despite their that training right um so you know what what's your take on you know that that piece of it and Mm -hmm. um again just want to applaud what you're doing to to bring it back uh and make it relevant again yeah well one of the things that i thought was a disadvantage was that i did not have the opportunity to go to conservatory school of music And for years, I thought this was, like I say, a massive disadvantage. Um, But what ended up happening was that it became a superpower. Mm -hmm. The fact that I don't have this training allows me to think and be creative in a more freeing way. Uh, I don't have necessarily, I have the tools to do what I need to do, the writing, the technique, but I don't have the format and the structure that I'm that initially you learn at a conservatory. And I think that f- for me, it's become 
it's become this way of expressing myself that, uh, like I said, it's freedom. It's freedom. That's the best way I can put it. It's freedom. Like I know so many people who have went to Juilliard and went to Berkeley and, uh, and they're kind of still, we always say they drink, they drink the Kool-Aid and now, you know, they're trying to, to come back from that. And I think the advantage, it's become an advantage. The fact that I do not know, uh, as much as others would think that I should know, um, yeah, the training, the training is just, it's, it's just that. It's just training. You know, it, I think that schools of music are just put there in place so you can have access to certain things. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they teach you how to find your own voice. They just teach you how to mimic other voices, um, especially in the case of pianists, because before uh, the 1900s, every pianist was also a composer. But now you go to school to train as a pianist and you're just a pianist who plays other composers. And I think that's where the massive disconnect in classical music happened. Yeah. Well, I think that's really profound. And and I I totally agree that I mean, I think that it's quite possible to be classically trained in a conservatory or in an academy yeah. um, and still make rel- relevant, important music. <clears throat> but it does it does encourage um like in the jazz world I, every every academically trained jazz guitar teacher i had said you gotta transcribe solos in order to learn how to solo and all it ever did is help me play this charlotte you know <laughs> play miles davis solos solo. miles davis and it yeah. was not, but one of the things that that and i've written about this recently is that instead of transcribing what I learned to do was to look for the themes. For instance, you know, I love Miles Davis um, and I love his use of space. I love the intimacy of, you know, his approach. Um, I love um, Billie Holiday who had a very limited vocal range, but was able to work within that constraint and again, um, create, you know, a lot of um, intimacy, but also, you know, really, was really evocative in the way she played. And, yeah. you know, I love Django Reinhardt and his playfulness and, and, and that sort of thing. So looking for those themes allowed, freed me to kind of mix and match ways to approach what you were saying, which is finding your voice. Right. Um, so I just, I, I, I love, I love what you're sharing there. I'd also just love to hear, I mean, you've, You've done some pretty amazing things, yeah, performed yeah. Um, with some amazing people. Not all of them are famous musicians. Um, yeah. There was one that I remember seeing on your socials where um, you actually performed with someone who is in outer space. Tell us a little bit about <laughs> that. Yeah, uh, I got the fortunate opportunity to perform a duet with uh, my good friend, Michael Lopez Alegria who uh, was the commander of the AX-1 mission with uh, Axiom Space. And amazing how it all happened. He's a fan of one of my songs. It's called Stars at Astra. And he sent me an email saying, send me this song. So I sent it to him. He said, I'm going to put it on the playlist, on my playlist for this mission. And then about a week later, he doubled down and said, you know what? Let's make a moment out of this. And he said, well, you, you can teach me a bit of the song. And then when I get up to the uh, International Space Station, there's a keyboard there and we can do a duet together. And uh, I, I'm me being a space nerd my whole life, I mean, I just ran in circles and screamed like, ah, this is crazy. Uh, but I think the most surreal moment was being able to be 
connected with Mission Control Houston and being able to see those folks. And a lot of people don't know that this also happened was I played a dedication uh, to Mission Control Houston just for keeping our astronauts safe while they're going off planet and coming back. So uh, that was a very exciting day. Yeah, that was really, really something. And um, it's I don't know how much you can speak to this, but you also uh, got to go home recently and uh, perform at one of your favorite places. Can you tell us about that? Oh, wow. Um, actually, I went home a couple times. <laughs> um, which one? I was thinking about the, the playing uh, at the Detroit Pistons. Oh, game. yeah, uh, the Pistons game. Yes, so I, I got the fortunate opportunity to play halftime for uh, the Pistons and also a pre-show, uh, a pre-game show. And uh, it's just one of the most amazing experiences just to be able to play at home in front of a hometown crowd uh, and play a halftime show for the Pistons. It's just, I mean, they're the Pistons. Like, you know, I remember <laughs> I grew up in the bad boy era. So, I mean, it's just amazing to be uh, a part of, uh, do a collaboration with that organization. Yeah, I was in Chicago during the bad boy era. So you and I might yeah. be on different sides of that yeah. uh, situation, but um, yeah. All good. All good. good. And another thing I'd love for you to address, um, because I see you navigating this so beautifully, just, you know, having been a little bit closer when you were with the creatives workshop, but, you know, one of, um, one of my mentors, Dr. Jeff Spencer is, a, a, a performance mindset coach and he works with, um, he's worked with 48 gold medal athletes, Lance Armstrong, Tiger Woods, the band U2. And one of the things that he says is no, nobody wins alone. Mm-hmm. And I know that you work with a team of people that are helping you spread the difference that only you can make, you know, through your neoclassical um, artistry. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love for you to just share a little bit about, you know, what, what, what does that look like? Um, you know, from, from your point of view uh, and, you know, what, what, what do you think is the importance and relevance of collaboration with uh, a team of putting a team of people around you? Oh yeah. Um, Collaboration is everything. Nothing happens without collaboration. We did like I love that that uh, quote because you're it's right. We don't do anything alone. Um, one of the things that I always say is one of the most difficult jobs is getting people to see your vision and agree to be a part of it. Um, but if you can do it, if you can accomplish that, then you will you will make leaps and bounds in whatever field it is. Uh, my team are all believers. Mm-hmm. We always say we're small and scrappy and we'll die on the hill together. So that's the thing that, uh, you know, we all keep, we're very knit, tight knit, like a family. And um, the the co-chairs of my label, Benton and Billy are just, I mean, Billy, I've known Billy for more than 10 years um, and we have been good friends and brothers and we have fought and I have lost <laughs> and, um, but he's just one of those people who has always been around, always cheering for me, even from the sidelines, even when I was being not the best person. Um, and this is how we get to this point. Uh, my management, Annie and Didi, they're awesome. My agents are awesome. My uh, publicist, they, he's awesome. It's a real team effort and it's all about being together and always say, let's row the boat at the same time on the same beat. Yeah. And that's how you get the line move the line forward. 
Awesome. Just want to give a quick shout out to Carla, who's tuning in on YouTube. Uh, and this is one of her favorite episodes. Um, so I, I love what you were just saying about you, you mentioned that, um, you know, one of the members of your team yeah. is helping you become a better person. And at Creative on Purpose and the Art of Encore Living, we talk a lot about the importance of integrity and intention. Yeah. Um, you know that I have an affection for Marcus Aurelius and Stoic philosophy, mm -hmm. and they say that all that's required to live a good life is is um, the pursuit of virtue, the cultivation of your character. Yeah. Uh, I'd love for you to speak just a little bit more about, um, you know, I, I get the sense from stories you've told me about your your upbringing, your father, your, your first piano teacher, that um, you had a lot of great role models coming up, but, um, you know, how does that play the, this this idea that you brought up of character mm -hmm. um, and developing uh, that as you, as you move along? How, how important is that in your development as an artist? Yeah. Well, one of the things you may not know, Scott, is during my time in Creatives Workshop as a student, I was also beginning a journey in therapy and in life coaching. So I, you know, massive shout out to Dr. Felicia Thomas for being able to, to, I, I just thought that I needed to be a better person. And that was kind of where the seed all started was let me be a better person. And then all this other stuff can happen. Mm -hmm. And so while I was learning how to have a pra creative practice, I was also learning how to be a better version of Charles. And I believe that that was a key tool in what I'm building now is that I understand how to build with a team, how to better be a team player. Um, so who you are is everything, you know, yeah. especially for a person like me that's in front of crowds, that's in front of people. Uh, I'm constantly making decisions about philanthropy, like where am I going to place my energies? So that stuff all kind of comes into play when you think about like who you are and what you're creating. So, uh, yeah, who you are is, is kind of, it's kind of what leads, you know, it's the, it's the engine that runs the train. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you, you, you know, the vulnerability of you sharing that. And I just, you know, as someone else that has, you know, been on the receiving end of the value of therapy and, and great coaching, yeah. um, I, I couldn't agree more that, you know, again, n nobody wins alone mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I, I can't imagine that you weren't already a fantastic person, but we all have untapped promise and potential that we want to step into. And it's, um, you know, we need to be embrace the sufficiency of who we are as we are right now. But there's, you know, th there is for some of us this um this hunger to uh, develop our potential and deliver on our promise and what we can become and, and who, you know, how we are emerging into our full potential. So I, I just think that that's um, really thoughtful and profound of, of okay. you to articulate. And I, I I'm you. grateful for you um, sharing that. Okay. So give us a, um, we're, we're starting to, to wind down our half hour together, but um, maybe just two last questions. One is, um, Give us a sense of, you know, what's what's coming up for Charles Wilson and Black Bach. Oh, well, uh, what's coming up is a next release, which is a mixtape called Chill Music Volume 1. Uh, I decided to take a little different approach to what I had done previously on my albums and mixtapes. This one is simply just my offering of something 
that can be relaxing, very moody, very simple, um, something you can just put on and start washing dishes or watch the kids or put the baby down or vacuum or whatever, but something that's very just calming to the soul. Um, so that release is coming out, I think, in the next month or so. And also, I am in the process of writing my second album. Uh, I'm about four songs into it right now. Uh, it's pretty amazing, this next set of, of compositions, uh, because you know you always want to one-up the one that you did before. So uh, I think for me, I think it's a one-up and then a, a, a parallel step. I think it's a sidestep. You know, so I'm not putting too much pressure on myself to be much better than I was before, but I'm definitely uh, thinking that I want to come from a very unique place this this go round. Uh, so those are what's coming up: more performances, uh, booking more shows uh, throughout you know America, hopefully uh, into Europe later this year, and uh, I hope to see people at the shows. You know, keep continue doing what we're doing. Yeah, well, if you make it to Southwest Virginia, I'll be I'll be right up front and center and, and banging on your green room door. So awesome. <laughs> um, and I I love uh, that you said that you're trying to t take a step forward and side uh, to the side. I I have been privy to um, an advanced copy of the 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 upcoming album. It's so good, Charles. I mean, Thank I you. love the evocativeness and and the range of emotions from mm -hmm. from song to song yeah. um they're kind of nice extended play things too so um you you actually get a chance to let it kind of wash over you while you're um yeah. you know for me it's 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 kind of almost part of my nighttime ritual to just li listen okay. to the, those four tracks but um so looking forward to seeing that um get shared more widely with the world yeah, so as we're coming towards the end here, the, the last question is always um, just for our guests to share one final tip, exercise, practice, maxim, quote, something that will help someone that, like you, wants to more clearly define the difference only they can make, but also gain confidence in developing and delivering that difference out into the world. What would you share with someone that you know would like to fly a little bit higher and uh, make a bigger difference while they experience better living and the difference only they can make? My advice would be to start. It's never too late. Today is a perfect day. Get started. Try something. Do something you've never done before. If you have something you've been doing for a long time, try a different way or a different approach to, to what you're doing. Um, I think that creativity is one of the greatest gifts we have and it's one of the greatest gifts we can give. Um, I think art and, and creativity is the, the cornerstone of who we are as humans. So uh, I would just say start. Whatever it is you're doing, just start. Yeah. I absolutely love that. Thank you, Charles. And thank you all for tuning in. Charles and I really appreciate your time and attention. We hope that today's broadcast motivates you to take a bolder step into possibility and the difference only you can make. Yeah. To keep Go, go, going with the de defining, developing, and delivering the difference only you can make. Visit creativeonpurpose.com. If you're watching on social media or YouTube, leave a comment, share a question, tell us your biggest takeaway or lesson from this conversation. If you're listening as a podcast, please leave us a five-star review. It helps more people, more of the right people collide with the conversations. Now, take the insight and inspiration from today's show and play your game all in 
and Fallout. Charles Wilson, so great to spend this time with you. Thanks so much for lending us some of your wisdom and time today. Uh, thanks for having me, Scott.